Well, hello and welcome to another edition of Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham, where Team Needham discusses everything healthcare. I'm your host, Sean Needham, and I am streaming live from uh, my podcast studio at my house. And I am super excited to have Dr. Bowden back on our show. Uh, we've had her on a few times. Um, one time before the whole COVID thing ever started, and then she started treating patients for COVID and was getting run through the ringer by, by state boards of medicine, by hospitals, by the FDA um, for prescribing ivermectin. And she was helping her patients get better. And I'll let her share some numbers. But if I remember right, she's treated like 4,000 COVID patients and and has had no deaths. Um, so very, very good um, response with her treatment protocols. Um, and during the process, and the last time I interviewed her, she was with Dr. Uh, Apter and Dr. Merrick, who jointly sued the FDA because the FDA was playing medicine. Now, traditionally, the FDA has stayed out of medicine. They have, in fact, they even have it in their rules and regulations. I don't know if I can call it a law or not, um, but that you know, it is up to the physician um, to decide what's right for the patient. So as long as the drug is on the market and has never been pulled off the market because of safety issues, um, the physician can use it for whatever treatment they would like. So Dr. Bowden is going to get into that. Dr. Bowden, welcome to our show. Oh, thanks so much for having me, Sean. So I gave a little bit of history, but why don't you uh, update us on the, on the history of, of, of why we're here? So we initially filed a lawsuit, I guess, over a year ago uh, because of the FDA's social media campaign of what they've posted on their website, basically directing the public to not take ivermectin for COVID. And that's not their role. Their role is to approve medications for human use, but that's where it stops. They have no right to tell doctors how they should prescribe a medication, nor do they have a right to tell patients how they should use a medication. So we challenged them with a lawsuit, and it was initially dismissed uh, based on the concept of sovereign immunity, which means that basically you can't sue the government. So we appealed and it went to the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, and last Friday they ruled in our favor saying that the FDA is not immune from legal uh, prosecution uh, and that they overstepped their authority. And now we go on and proceed with the case. Okay, so the case is moving forward now. Right. So they tried to have this case dismissed. And initially it was based on the sovereign immunity. And now the Fifth Circuit has said, no, you, the case can go on. We deny the motion to dismiss based on sovereign immunity. Now, I was, I got to be really honest with you. I was, because I've seen, you know, we've seen what's been happening the last three years with these courts. And a lot of times the courts have done things, um, say they don't have jurisdiction or there's some kind of a little legal ramification or big legal, legal ramification that they they have where they they don't really it's like the courts don't want to really get involved so i was watching your case very closely as many people in healthcare are and i was skeptically optimistic so it's exciting to hear that they're going to hear the, that they're going to actually hear the case so where do we go from here and when is the what's the time frame and all that yeah, I do. so I, I believe it just goes back to the court in Galveston. 
uh, assuming I mean, either party. So the FDA could appeal. We could appeal because we did lose on one point um, and it's complicated. The legal part of it is a little bit confusing. So I'm not sure I can comment on it uh, with authority, but basically as long as neither side appeals, then we go back to the uh, original court and then we go forward and we have to prove standing. So that we have to prove that what the FDA did had a meaningful impact on me and the other two plaintiffs, Dr. Apter and Dr. Merrick. And, and isn't it true that the judge in this case that decides to hear, hear the case, isn't it true um, that in some way they said, you know, the FDA can't play physician. Is there some kind of wording in there like that? Yeah. And that's what I've been saying. Basically I've said along the FDA is not your doctor. It's not the world's doctor. That's not their role, but they have led the public to believe that, that, that they have more authority than they do. Everybody thinks that the FDA has this uh, ability, this authority to tell people how to treat certain diseases. And this couldn't be further from the truth. And basically really taking away from the doctor-patient relationship and it's the government trying to dictate our healthcare system. Exactly. So the judge that decided, the court decided to hear the case, is it, was it the judge that actually is going to hear the case, that commented on the case? So, well... Yeah, I mean, the people that the there were three judges at the okay. um, appeal and one judge wrote the decision, uh, but they will not be involved in the case going forward. So it goes back. I believe it goes back to the same judge in the initial case was heard in Galveston, Texas. I see. So but it'll still be at the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, correct? No, it goes back to the lower court. It's it's so hard to figure that stuff. It's out. very confusing. Right. Yes, I am getting a crash course in law throughout this whole thing. Right? Yeah. So, um, tell us some of your history of patients that because this is basically over ivermectin, correct? Yes. Well, right. and it, but it does have meaning beyond ivermectin. Oh, for sure. It it it's all started because of ivermectin. And right. yes, I've, I've treated now probably over 6,000 patients and not all of those with ivermectin, but majority with ivermectin. And I've found it to be extremely safe, first and foremost, and very effective. And every patient that received early treatment is alive and well. And early treatment is key. It's, it's just a basic fundamental rule of medicine, actually, is early treatment leads to better outcomes, no matter what disease you're talking about. And COVID is no exception. And it's very, uh, it's very disgusting that our, our healthcare system basically told everybody to wait and do nothing until they can't breathe. It, it goes against a fundamental tenet of, me of medicine. Yeah. And I, and I think when you follow some of those protocols, what they're being told and stuff, I think you can you know, you can follow the money on, on a lot of it because they were saying things that like if their O2 sats weren't below a certain level, then, you know, you know, don't come back till your O2 sats are in the 80s or whatever that was. You might know more than that than yeah. I do about that. And I, and I think a lot of times that has to do with it didn't matter how the patient felt that the patient couldn't breathe. They were just looking at a number and saying, well, you know what? 
we've been told we can't treat you because we can't get paid by XYZ insurance company mm-hmm. until your O2 stat is at a certain number instead yeah. of actually taking care of the patient. Exactly. Exactly. And yeah, that's been going on for a while now. They have protocols if a patient comes in with pneumonia or a patient comes in with sepsis. These are the things you have to follow. These are steps. And if you don't follow these steps, you you get financially penalized. And so that's been going on for a while. And then they tried to apply this for a new disease, which you know no one had any experience treating. And it was a complete disaster. Exactly. So um, tell us, uh, you know, prescribing, just so we can get a little bit of background on prescribing drugs off label. Um, you are an ENT physician and um, you've been, you know, prescribing off label for many different things. I'm putting you on the spot now. Um, can you think of other things besides ivermectin for COVID? What are other things that you typically do in your routine practice that you prescribe that is that is off labeled? Can am I putting you on the spot? Yeah, you are. But <laughs> <laughs> well, sorry, <laughs> I can think of a great example that I never prescribe, but uh, gabapentin, as you are probably aware yeah. of, it actually has three. FDA approved indications for use. And then I counted the off-label uses and it's 22 off-label uses. So, yeah, and that's one example. I, you know, I prescribe a lot of antibiotics, steroids, and that's basically a lot of the stuff that I use is over the counter. So I don't have to do a lot of prescribing. Um, But I can say that with confidence that I have a harder time with side effects from antibiotics than I do from ivermectin. I get calls back on on antibiotics probably 15, 20% of the time, you know, stomach problems, rash. Don't get any of that with ivermectin. So it's definitely very safe. Yeah, it's been dispensed to billions of times, literally all over the world. Um, yeah. And, and, it's, it's, and one more point about that is, you know, the FDA does have the authority to put a black box warning on a medication or pull it off the market if it's not safe. And yet they haven't done that. And, you know, it's been used, what, four billion people. Right. So if it weren't safe, we'd, we'd know by now. Uh, we'd, we'd, and the FDA could have taken action to, you know, and ironically, Paxlovid has a medication that does have a black box warning on it. So ritinavir is one of the ingredients in Paxlovid, and that has a black box warning on it, but that's not being talked about. And that's one of the, to to update us, that's one of the most recent treatments for COVID, is that correct? That's what every, that's what all the authorities want you to use to treat COVID. Is that Um, outpatient use? Um, it's, so yeah, let me educate everybody on Paxlovid. It's a please. It's, a, it's one of my um, sticking points. It so it has forty four severe drug interactions, and severe meaning you really need to you know. Ivermectin has zero severe interactions, by the way. So, and one of those severe interactions is with statins, which is the most widely prescribed mm. type of medication out there. Uh, That's a whole other story, by the way. Yeah, it has a (laughs) black box, has a uh, ingredient, ritinavir, that has a black box warning on it. It's toxic to the liver and kidneys. It is poorly tolerated because it leaves a very bad metallic taste in the mouth. It's been shown to have an increased risk of rebound infection. And then it costs the taxpayers over $530 per prescription. 
Wow. A lot different from ivermectin. Yeah. Now, the sister drug of that was is remdesivir. Is that correct? Well, well, that's the one that they're using in the hospitals. Right. That's right. why I call yes. it a sister drug. Yes. So that's for infusion only, and it was used and kind of had the same kind of side effects, multi multi-organ failure, right? Many patients well, died yeah, because it, of remdesivir. Very toxic to the kidneys. So I believe it's about 25%. Increased risk of kidney failure. Wow. Wow. Um, and so when you would, would you see, when you, when you would see these patients, were some of them sick enough that they wanted to go to, that they probably needed to go to the hospital, but they didn't want to? Oh yeah. People were terrified to go to the hospital. And so I'd have, I had a few people that came in pretty late and they were, their oxygen saturations were really low. And it was, and I, you know, normally in prior times, I would have called the ambulance and had them transported to the emergency room. But, you know, they were, they chose not to do that, and, but I was able to save them. I mean, we just, I slammed them with IV steroids. We did the high dose ivermectin. We treated for secondary infection. We did high-dose vitamins. We did breathing treatments, and they survived. But, you know, sadly, these were people that didn't get the early treatment. Right, right. Um, so you don't know what the date – you don't have a time frame on the data when this actually – when your lawsuit is going to go to court, if it does? Not yet. Yeah. I have no idea. I mean, unfortunately, like these things take forever, unfortunately, but. Have you seen um, that the FDA has maybe changed its opinion a little bit about ivermectin and how physicians can prescribe it lately? No, I mean, not, I, they, they seem to double down. So when, when that, I don't know if you saw on social media that people were uh, quoting their lawyer. The lawyer uh, during the hearing admitted that the FDA has no authority to uh, intervene with doctors prescribing off-label medications. And that quote went viral on Twitter. So the FDA came back and tweeted something in response, basically doubling down on what they had said earlier about ivermectin. I didn't hear that. I, I was optimistic that I thought I heard, uh, saw that the FDA came back and said that we've never got involved. We, we never really wanted to get involved in telling physicians how to prescribe. So it's, it's, it's hard to know on social media or any, any of the media anymore um, what to believe and what people's positions are. Um, and that's why we just have to let this play out in the courts as much as we, you know, as much as we, we hate that process, or at least I hate that process. And I'm, I'm sure it hasn't been a fun one for you. I mean, it takes a lot of energy to, to do what you're doing. So thank you. Yeah. Well, it's, it, it has real meaning to me. I mean, it affects us a daily thing I deal with. Um, the pharmacists are still giving me a hard time. Uh, I had recently had a patient that was in rural Texas, elderly man, and contacted me on a weekend and tried to get him the ivermectin. And, you know, typically I'll just go straight to a compounding pharmacy. Yeah. Uh, but on a weekend, it's trickier because most of them aren't open. Yeah. And his respiratory status declined. And he had a delay in treatment because he couldn't get the ivermectin. Um, and initially, and then he did get it and he, he's responded well, but 
you know, that it's just not right. Well, and, and, and in a lot of ways, in my opinion, Dr. Bowden, you can, we can blame, um, boards of pharmacy for that. Mm-hmm. And, and I get it. Pharmacists have to stand up just like doctors have stand up to medical boards like you have done. Um, but you know, we in Washington state as pharmacists were sent a letter, um, saying that, you know, if we see any inappropriate prescribing for XYZ drugs, including ivermectin, I think hydroxychloroquine might've been on there also. Um, we need to turn them into the appropriate licensing board. That's what wow. the state board of pharmacy sent to all the pharmacists. It's un- unreal. We've That's- never, we've never in, in 30 years of practice, I've never seen anything like that before. Yeah. I mean, I've never had a prescription denied prior to COVID. Never. Right. Right. Just- um, and, and and, um, you know, so I feel for the pharmacists because they're put in a precarious position because um, there are some state boards that were like, well, if you do dispense it, then we will, you know, we will get your license. And and these boards of medicine and boards of pharmacy have, have used licensing to, to as weapons. It's like, right. well, if you don't follow our rules, we're going to weaponize it. We're going to, well, you know, we're going to take your license. And I think that's a whole nother thing is I think, you know, um, the FDA, your your lawsuit with the FDA is a big one, but also what's next is that doctors need to sue individual boards, which is happening in Washington, mm-hmm. um, and you know that they don't have the authority to to um, you know I get it. It's about safety. Um, it's about safety, but, um, but this is yeah no this is not right. safety. This is not no. no patients have been harmed. Right. This is about political control and. One thing I'll say, I yes, I think Washington State, the pharmacists are in a precarious position, but not in Texas. Texas, they are. Yeah. Um, the there was a joint letter that was sent out from the Texas um, Medical Board and the Texas Pharmacy Board, basically letting letting everybody know that there's no restrictions. There's no. They're not going to be punishments. You know, it was it was free game. Uh, I have actually reported many pharmacists to the board, the pharmacist board, and every everyone was shut down. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I think it's a state by state thing, but Texas, they should be safe if they want to dispense ivermectin. Yeah. And, and, you know, I know as a as a business decision, we decided to not do it at our pharmacy. Um, and it was had nothing to do with um, the state board. I fought them before and we've won. Um, so I wasn't afraid of them. It was just a business decision for us because we didn't want to ramp up our business because we knew we would get a lot of business from it. Um, and we focus on hormones. So mm-hmm. we said no, not because we didn't believe in it, but we didn't want to you know, double or triple our staff. And then when COVID, because we thought COVID was going to go away in two months for one thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, right. you know, um, and I did, I, I had some colleagues that, they, they went forward with it. And, um, you know, in April of, let's see, it would have been last year. I mean, their business just went. Pshh. So, yeah. um, yeah. yeah. And I got a, so I was hoping my friend was listening. So good friend and, uh, good friend and an attorney. <laughs> um, it was, was, was watching our, our podcast and, um, he just quoted this and I don't know, you've probably seen this, Mary, and you may, maybe have, but this is what I was wanting to find this because this is huge. One of the judges says the FDA is not a physician. It has a th- authority to inform, announce and apprise, but not to endorse, denounce or advise. That's huge. Yes. So yes. 
Now that this case can move forward, I don't know legally how this works, but I don't know if that was one of the judges. I'm guessing from what you're saying, this is not one of the judges that's going to be hearing the case, but the judges that are going to be hearing the case are going to take this into consideration. Yeah, it's a very important statement. It is, it's nothing new. I mean, that's, that's been in place, right? So we're just reminding everybody that this is, this is the FDA. The FDA is not your doctor and um, they have no business making sweeping recommendations or, or uh, advising against something. Uh, Everybody, patients are individuals. Uh, I don't prescribe ivermectin to every COVID patient. It's a, it's a decision that needs to be made between the patient and the doctor and the FDA needs to butt out. Yeah, absolutely. So back on, on the subject of, of state medical boards, um, you've had some complaints against your license um, against the state, correct? Yes. So I had three complaints and one, well, they all involved ivermectin. So one of them was a 17-year-old. I spoke to the dad and the stepmother. They wanted to have the ivermectin uh, to on hand as they were traveling abroad. He never even took the ivermectin, uh, but his mother was fearful and um, reported me to the medical board. And that case was recently dismissed. Uh, then I have two cases uh, from hospitals, one from Houston Methodist and one from Texas Hughley. Houston Methodist said I was spreading dangerous misinformation. Uh, at the time, I said I was actually much more conservative than I am now. And I said things like ivermectin works and vaccine mandates are wrong. And they uh, got upset with that and suspended me. And you may know the story, but they suspended me in a very public manner. So they went to the Houston yep. Chronicle, and that's how I found out that my privileges were suspended because I had a reporter ask me about it. And then they also went on Twitter to announce it. So in response to that, I resigned. Uh, there, They turned me into the medical board for resigning while I was under investigation. So we have that issue. And then the other case was a patient that was dying. He was in the hospital, had been in a coma for a month. The wife sued the hospital because she wanted him to have the opportunity to try ivermectin. She asked me to be the expert witness. And as part of the lawsuit, they needed a physician willing to write the prescription for ivermectin so that you know they'd have that access to it. So that's what I did. And they turned me in uh, for unprofessional behavior as part of fighting for this patient. The hospital did. Yes. Yeah. And and that's what's interesting about these cases. Not in 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 any of the cases you just mentioned, um no patient was harmed. And no, no, no. and outside of the first one, which is super ridiculous. And I'm sure if we look into the first one that was just dismissed with the, you know, the the mom turning you in, um I'm sure there's a lot more dynamics going on than 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 what, what we might even know the details of. But it's interesting that the the board even heard that case. I mean, the patient never even took the drug. It doesn't matter. Right. Exactly. I oh, mean, right. seriously. I mean, and, <laughs> and we, it, we've it took, been uh, it took a year and eight months for that case to get dismissed. Right. They they when they first saw it and they said, Well, patient never took the drug. Okay, we're not even gonna hit, we're not even gonna investigate. Um, I, I, we, we've been investigated from the state board because it's so easy for 
patients to to file complaints now mm-hmm. uh, online. It's really easy. And we had one time where um, the patient was upset because we couldn't get one mil syringes. So we dispensed the, her hormone cream in three mil syringes. Mm-hmm. And 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 it, it didn't go well for her. And, and we're not surprised she filed a complaint. But, you know, the state board investigated us for it. And, right. you know, that would be like, putting it in a 30 dram bottle instead of a 60 dram bottle there right. no nobody was harmed and we didn't have the one mil syringes the state right. should have never even heard the case right they said right. you know there's has no validity but they've got to follow up on all those things and, it, and we have turned our state boards of medicine our state boards of pharmacy in instead of turning them into into colleagues that we can reach out to and say hey i've got something going on here what should i do it's so adversarial. We, we don't even ask anymore because we're, we're afraid if we say, hey, asking for a friend, the <laughs> next thing they'll do, they'll show up in our office and say, well, on your career, right? exactly. And that's, well, it's uh, not how it's, it's, that's not how it used to be. And it wasn't meant to be that way. Well, and we get a monthly, you know, wall of shame email from the Texas Medical Board highlighting all the horrible misdeeds physicians have done. And it's things like sexual misconduct, misconduct, drug abuse you know, severely harming people. It, it is not, you know, prescribing a very, very safe drug off-label. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> I know. That, that's the ridic- it's, it's the ridiculousness of it. And it's just, it's got to stop. I and, and the only answer, unfortunately, is in the courts. Now, I got to say that, um, first of all, I want to say thank you for fighting. And um, I'm super excited to see you at our medical conference that will be coming up here at the end of the month. Um, you are, I got to, I got to tell you, some of our speakers said they they did a speaker check on some of our speakers, and they're like, "Why did you ask me to speak with these big names like this?" I mean, you become famous, and and you didn't want to be. And I remember, you know, you talked about you know three years ago how much more conservative you were. I remember, I remember we were in Texas when we saw you at the Free Market Medical Association conference and you had just tweeted a big tweet that went viral and lit up. And you you were like, I don't know how to explain it. You were like, um, not embarrassed, but you were just like, you didn't know what to do. So you said, I had to delete. You said, so I had to delete the tweet because there were just so many of my colleagues just beating me up. Oh, really? I don't remember that, but yeah. Yeah, right. And I mean, it just (laughs) happened. And and now I see you and it's like, and the stuff you put out, it's like, hey, screw this, man. I'm just telling the truth. Exactly. I'm nothing to lose anymore. They've beaten me down so badly. I just have nothing to lose. Right. Yeah, I, I love it. I love it. We need more doctors like you. And speaking of doctors like you, um, at our conference that you will be speaking at, um, Dr. Turner, who is also hosting the conference with, with us, um, he and three other physicians, Dr. Ryan Cole, who you probably know, um, Dr. Renata Moon, who will be speaking at our, our medical conference, and uh, Dr. Richard Wilkinson, um, they are all suing the State Board of Medicine of Washington um, for, you know, for violating these, I don't know what the exact charges are, but it's basically for violating their, their freedom to, to take care of patients. And this stuff just has to be settled in the courts. And I heard, is this true? You might know, did the whole Texas board of medicine change, just change over recently because they all got sued. Is that true? Have you heard that? I've not heard that. I I heard that, but you know how that is. (laughs) You're going to, I'm going to have to, find out more about that that's the case but maybe boards will be more reluctant to get in between physicians and patients um you know if if the courts 
if this thing if, if if these things get settled out in the courts is, is that's my whole point. Cause as long as there's no harm done, then, you know, the board should just be, should just be there as a regulatory body and making sure there's, you know, no harm done. Like you say, you know, physicians that are, you know, addicted or, or using drugs and, right. or, you know, things like that. I mean, that, that, you know, that's a problem. That's right. the thing that should be investigating. Not, not that some 17 year old didn't take their ivermectin. I mean, <laughs> Right, right. You know, I mean, seriously. Right. Right? Yeah, it's. So as we wrap this podcast up, uh, Dr. Bowden, um, um, tell us what you have a passion for. I think it's become pretty obvious over the last three years, but tell us what you have a passion for. Well, work-wise, I mean, I just, I truly enjoy the doctor-patient relationship and, you know, all, yeah, it was very valuable to me. I had four kids in five years. And so I was pregnant for five years straight. And I really got a, a deep sense of what it's like to be on the other side of things. And so that's how I approach my patients is uh, with that empathetic view, because I know how it is. And, uh, I, you know, I like it, it. And the other argument I'll make is people say, well, you don't have any data. I'm like, why would I prescribe something to thousands of people if it didn't work? Right. Cause I, you want your patients to get better, right? There's nothing more gratifying than having a patient get better. And if a patient goes down the wrong way, I mean, it, it's, I take it very seriously. It's it, the buck stops with me. Um, so uh, and then outside of work, I would say just being a mom, I just, that's, that's my, that's my passion. So I love being a mom. Yeah, boy, uh, four, four kids in five years. That's, and were you in medical school at the time too? Wait, sorry, say that again. Four kids in five years. Weren't you in medical school at the time? Also? No, no, no. I, no. I, I don't know how people do that during their yeah, training. I, I, right. I, there's no way. <laughs> I don't know how you had four kids in five years. <laughs> it, it wasn't planned well, but. <laughs> so if anybody has any, any uh, questions or wants to reach out to you, um, what's the best way to do so? Well, I'm very active on X, formerly known as Twitter. I got to, uh, I got to start calling it that. I keep forgetting. It's hard. It's a hard. <laughs> I'm trying to, I'm trying to play along. Uh, and then uh, my website is breathemd.org. I love it. I love it. Dr. Bowden, thank you so much for, for fighting and standing up for, for not, it's not, it's not about you. It's about, it's about individual patients' liberty. And our goal on this podcast is to educate and empower individuals to take charge of their own health. And you have helped us realize that goal. So I totally appreciate it. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah. And I will see you in a few weeks um, in Spokane. You'll be speaking at our medical conference. Super excited to see you. Yeah. I'm excited to be there. All right, listeners and viewers, thank you for tuning in to Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. Tune in to our regularly scheduled podcast Monday, uh, 1230 to 130 Pacific Standard Time. Thank you for listening.